You're listening to the Jazz Session with my dad, Jason Crane. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is sponsored by Matt Rock, Murat Verdi, and Nicholas Payton. This is episode 363. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. They're online at respectsextet.com. Please buy all their albums. Thank you. Thanks to Dave Rabel for the logo. He is online at twitter.com slash Dave Rabel, V-R-A-B-E-L. There's a widget for this show, which All About Jazz has provided, and if you go to allaboutjazz.com and in the search box type in Jazz Session Widget, it'll give you some code that you can paste into your website, and that will display the latest episode of the Jazz Session and give folks a link to get to it and so on and so forth. Uh, it's super handy if you have a WordPress blog, for example. It just You can just stick it right in one of the widgets. It's very, very easy. If you need help, let me know. And if you do install the widget on your website, let me know, because I'll mention you in my newsletter. For example, the newsletter that's going out this week uh, has two folks who've installed the widget on their website. While you're online at thejazzsession.com to join the mailing list, which is how you would find out about who's got the widget and also who's on the show and all that stuff, while you're at thejazzsession.com, please become a member. It's super important. It is what keeps the show alive. I say it every show, and I think maybe it's become kind of wallpaper for you that, yes, I need members. Yes, I need members. But I really do need members. That is what keeps the show alive. So please do it. You can do it for as little as $10 a month. If you listen to the show, if you love the show, if you get something out of the show, uh, the only way to ensure that it will continue to exist is by becoming a member at thejazzsession.com slash join. Also, if you listen to the show on iTunes, or if, even if you just have iTunes, would you do me a favor? Go to the iTunes store and type in Jazz Session, and then you'll, usually you have to click on Podcast uh, over on the menu section, and that'll help narrow it down. Uh, and then just rate and or review the Jazz Session. You can click on the number of stars you want to give it. Of course, five out of five is the best. And you can write a short review. It doesn't have to be anything particularly verbose, but just, you know, this is the greatest use of the English language ever recorded or something like that would be wonderful. So please do review the show on iTunes. It just helps it go up in the iTunes rankings, and that's what helps other folks find it, just like you did. I am a poet. You'll find my poetry at jasoncrane.org, jasoncrane.org. I've also got a book for sale there, Unexpected Sunlight, my first collection of poems on Foothills Press, which came out in 2010. And that is all I have to tell you except for this, which is that my guest today is Devin Gray. He's got a new album out called Dirigo Rataplan. Trust me, it'll all become clear in a minute. But first, some music from the album and then my chat with Devin Gray.
My guest is drummer Devin Gray, and that's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So the first thing I'm going to let you do is uh, not allow me to let my Latin and French happen <laughs> on the show, because I don't have either of those languages. <laughs> and I'm, I think the album is pronounced something like Dirigo Rataplan or something like that. But how close am I? Yeah, that's that's good. I mean, okay. I, I actually I haven't really worked on the pronunciation. Okay. I just, it's kind of more the the words and sure. I put them together. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dirigo is Latin and Rataplan is French. I just kind of say Dirigo Rataplan. But... Nice. <laughs> I dig it. And it uh, roughly translates into leading from the drums, right? Or leading yeah. from the beat yeah. more accurately, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of the idea. And I, it just kind of formulated. I like Rataplan as a word. It's, yeah. You know, it's fun. And Dirigo actually came from uh, the state motto for Maine, which is where I'm from. Right. So... That was the idea. Can you talk about uh, really? The, you know, this is obviously something that people who play the instrument you play have to deal with all the time. But the idea of leading from the drum set, where first of all you're seldom actually even physically in front of the band, let alone playing a melodic instrument that more easily, you know, kind of dictates the terms, so to speak. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's a challenge. I mean, it you know, it's exciting for me because it's 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 such a process, you know, and I've really been trying to get better at leading the band from the drums. Um, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, we're not, I'm not playing any of the notes, you know? So when you hear people that are playing their music, which, you know, you, you can identify it because of the formulas of the, of the sounds and the notes, you know, I have to kind of approach it a little bit differently, uh, which I work on, you know, I, I think about other things and, and when it comes time for me to really write something down to put it down on paper, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm really specific that that is actually really, really what I mean. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just have to think about how I want it played more, which is fine. I mean, one of the big challenges is that, um, from the drums, I'm kind of, you know, <laughs> sometimes I forget how to play drums or like, I'm, I'm not really thinking about, okay, what, am, what, what should I do? I'm so conscious about what they're doing or how it, how these things are going to go together. And so I need experience of, playing my music as much as possible to kind of get better at leading from the drums. That's Yeah, it's interesting. It sounds like, uh, you know, on this on this show, it, people seem to break down into roughly two categories. There are, oh, and obviously these comparisons are always false as soon as I say that, but generally speaking, there are the folks who say, you know, I just hand them the music and I don't say much because I hired them for a reason mm. about the musicians. And then there are the folks who say, well, you know, I really do have a vision of what I want this music to be. And so, yeah, I do expect that people play what I've written and there's a place for improvisation as well. Uh, and obviously there are people who straddle that spectrum, but I wonder where you might place yourself kind of in that. Spectrum. I would, I would like to put myself in the middle sure, <laughs> because I mean, you know, some uh, part of me wants to be uh, more specific with the material and, and kind of directing it more and you know maybe making it more uniquely my own you know you know my own music kind of crafting it more and then but then the other part is that you know for me this is improvised music you know it's 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 about it's really about the moment and being fresh and kind of you know making that situation happen in real time you know not necessarily rehearsing it like a million times and I mean, kind of the opposite of playing a classical piece or something. But uh, you know, I, I, you know, with with this record, with these guys, you know, certain things I don't really need to say about. Okay, you know, like I know they're gonna check out the music and and deal with it. 
you know, like, like I would like to, like I deal with other people's music, you know, if, especially if I'm in a recording situation, you know, I, I spend time with it. I learn it and, you know, just a musician thing. So I know they're going to come at it already taking care of certain elements. And then, and then it comes down to the challenging part of like, what, well, what do I say, you know, and, and certain things, you know, sometimes I have to say certain things like little, little directions or, I mean, this project has been really great learning experience for me because I'm, I'm figuring out how to do it. You know, I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, I've been leading my own bands and writing my music, but you know, I'm still, it's just a part of the process of like, how can I, how can I shape this closer, you know, make it fit more to me or more like how I'm really hearing it is really what it comes down to. So did you write this music to, uh, hang together as an album, not necessarily as a concept record, but I mean, to, to knowing that these particular compositions were going to be together on a record, or did you just kind of over the years as you accumulated things think, oh, okay, I'll assemble a record from these. That, yeah, it's, most of this music is new mm. for, and by new, I mean that this project has actually been happening for a long time. Sure. I mean, yeah. I first started playing actually with uh, Dave Ballou and, and Mike Formanek in uh, Baltimore, you know, back in 2004, 2005 as a trio. And so, and actually maybe in 2005, I really started writing first writing for them though. I wasn't as experienced of a writer, but that was, that was really where it started. And this project, you know, I, it was a lot of, um, editing and kind of reshaping, you know, we did a bunch of gigs in Brooklyn and Baltimore. We played a bunch of Ellery's music down in, uh, in Towson in Maryland. And then, uh, so I, I kind of started getting a feel towards what, how my things or what I had would relate. And then, you know, wrote some new music with them in mind. I arranged a couple of the pieces specifically, you know, crafted around like just their strengths really as like, as, as musicians, you know, knowing them really helps. And actually this, this project was, I would say it's the first time I've really been like, oh yeah, I'm directly writing for somebody's sound. And, you know, Ellery and I would get together and work on, you know, some things, some ranges, some of the pieces. And I, I got to really test them out, you know, and especially with the gigs, it was like, eh, you know, it was easy to go, oh, these aren't going to work, you know, or, <laughs> or that's not what I want. That's not what I want. That's not really what I'm as interested in. Like, I, I don't really want to hear that. <laughs> right. So, so let's not do that piece or let's take this element and really, you know, kind of, you know, work with it. And yeah. So, um, the CD is is just a result of that process, really, and to the best that I can. The the gig that that's happening tomorrow night, or actually, tonight. as people are listening, yeah, it's tonight, I, yeah. April twelfth. Sorry, two thousand twelve. Right. Um, you know, I'm I'm working today. I've been working on kind of reshaping and reassessing the music that we've already done, and I have a couple new pieces, two new pieces that I'm trying to play. I think we'll definitely play one of them, um, and you know, I'm just going forward with the, with the process. So, uh, and, and even, even on the recording, a couple of those pieces, I'm not really, I think I'm not going to play because, you know, I think there's other stronger element, you know, there's stronger elements and other ones in the new pieces. And so, you know, just getting the band to, to play and work on the music and yeah. with each other. It's, it's really exciting though. I mean, it's always so interesting when you document something that is by its nature fluid, because as soon as you document it, I mean, you freeze it in time for yeah. a second, but while that's happening, 
everyone else, I mean, you and everyone else are kind of evolving and changing and moving forward. And the thing that's documented may no longer represent what it is that you're doing or what the sound that you're hearing. Anymore. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people talk about that. Um, and, uh, for, for me, I'm, it's, it's not as drastic. I mean, this was recorded a year, a uh, little, yeah, a year ago at the end of April last year. So, you know, it's interesting to look back over this year and be like, oh yeah, now I'm finally, this part of it is, is going out. It's a great process. It's really, I mean, I've really, really been enjoying kind of all the elements of pulling it all together and, um, musically. Will you uh, remind folks tonight where and when the gig is? April 12, 2012. Just to... Yes. Tonight we are playing at the Cornelius Street Cafe, 29 <laughs> Cornelius Street, <laughs> uh, which is uh, in the West Village in Manhattan. And we play at 830. Uh, we'll probably play two sets. Uh, I think we have to be done by 11. So great. That's the time zone. Fantastic. Uh, and this is actually part of a, of a series of shows around this music. If folks have a time machine, they can go back to Baltimore and see you 48 hours ago. Uh, yeah. uh, but there's, there are more things coming up in the weeks uh, and months ahead as well. There are more things. I mean, for me, daily life in New York is for everybody is just, you know, pretty crazy running around, teaching, playing, sure. Rehearsing, et cetera. So, uh, I, I, just out of basically logistics, I, I couldn't really set up like a, a you know, tight string of gigs. So I kind of just spaced them out and did what I could do. The next gig uh, after Cornelia Street is in Baltimore again at the same place called uh, the Wind Up Space, and uh, that's going to be really fun. Through uh, yeah, it's kind of like a homecoming gig because sure. we all have these connections. I mean, that's the whole one of the big themes of the band, Mike lives in Baltimore and Dave does and Ellery's from Baltimore I grew up in Baltimore and I, I lived there and went to school years ago so that will be really fun I'm and really what's the date of that the wind up space gig that's the 22nd of okay. April so it's in a couple of weeks it's a Sunday and then um, 
I'm actually going to Europe in May, and then so we have a little bit of a break, and then when I come back, we're playing at Barbez in Brooklyn on June 6th, which Fantastic. is a Wednesday. That's a part of Oscar Noriega's concert series. Right. So. Um, and I want to come back to your own music, but you're going to uh, Europe with someone else, right? Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, that's, that's a different project. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a couple things, you know, how everyone's schedules are flipping around. I... Uh, doing a recording a friend's record at the end of this month at the end of april a uh, great guitar player ryan pate old old friend of mine really excited for that and then uh yeah in the middle of may i'm going to do a three-week tour with uh, daniel guggenheim who's a tenor saxophone player austria uh austrian but lives in germany okay and so that will be pretty pretty busy over there for the for that and we're going to record a record in the middle of that and i'm really looking forward to that you know and also it, it's different musically than than my music mm. you know whew, thanks you know <laughs> I, I i you know i i wouldn't really know what to do if i had to play my music all the time no I, you know as a drummer it's kind of it, you know it's a really great thing to be able to kind of tried a bunch of different situations sure it's, it's almost overwhelming because you know you you're playing so many different types of music if, if you want. And uh, I, I like that because I can learn a lot of things. So, um, you know, it's all about that, you know, just doing it and experiencing it. Yeah. And keep thinking about it and pushing. So. Um, I want to come back uh, to your own music. And, you know, one thing about this record is that it has a ton of space in it, uh, which I really dig. And which I, you know, is, I guess this is a bit of a cliche or a stereotype, but is a little surprising for a drummer led record. I mean, it's really, it's an album of nuance where even the drums leave a ton of space. And I just wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. Uh, ah, wow. I mean, patience is is kind of comes to mind i mean i feel like a lot of people are in, in general you know are just rushing My, myself too i kind of feel like i'm rushing things i don't really like to rush things i mean if you if you listen i mean you can listen however you want to anything but if you if you listen with patience i think a lot of times fruitful things can come from that um Again, it's kind of it's kind of about the the moment of the situation, you know. It's like, well, I mean, this is really improvised music. I'm not sitting there like we're not reading, you know, twelve bars repeated, or, or I mean, we're going in there and kind of crossing our fingers a little bit and and seeing what can happen. And to me, that is a really important element of how I make music is that it's really you know, fresh, you know, you kind of walk walk on stage not knowing everything that you're going to do. I mean, I. 
all musicians probably experience, you know, both sides of these kind of going on playing very specific things and, and also going on and improvising more. And I, I, I like to risk a lot. I mean, I'm, mm. I'm kind of a risk, <laughs> risk taker, you know, you could look at my bank account right now, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I just yeah. took a trip and I, you know, I was <laughs> kind of checking it out on the ride. It's like, you know, but, uh, you know, that, that's another, that's a little separate, but you know, with music, it's, uh, I like it to be alive. I like it to breathe. I like it to, uh, I'm not afraid to let it fail. If, I mean, if whatever that means, you know, I'm, I'm more willing to take the risk with, with it. And, uh, I mean, especially with these guys, you know, it's like, so maybe some of the space is coming from that, you know, maybe, I mean, we're still working on how the band plays a little, you know, a little bit, but you know, this, the space is, it's built into the compositions a little bit as well. It's sure. not, you know, the, my, my music isn't really, you know, a whole lot of music. It's, it's pretty simple actually when you, when you look at it or look at the written parts, it's not necessarily super challenging. I mean, that's not really what I'm trying to convey, you know, uh, though I love playing hard music, right? <laughs> but that's, that's a separate thing. But So uh, pick, pick any track on the record if you can, and just give me an example of what, uh, what the musicians would have seen in the studio, what was in front of them. And then what, what if any kind of direction you gave about here's where the piece where I hear it going or here's the, the mood I think the piece embodies. Sure. I would pick the track Otaku. It's a Japanese word or phrase, basically, that means obsession. So <laughs> I've been to Japan a couple times in the past couple of years, and people will call you, you know, like a otaku music, basically. You're, like, obsessed with music, just right. kind of like anime or computer games or technique or, you know, whatever it is that you're talking about. So um, I like this piece because it's a... I'll just, if you don't mind, I can Please. talk about it. It's a, uh, it's a transcription of an improvisation uh, of my feet playing. Uh, basically, I just put a metronome on and uh, videoed just my two feet playing along, pre-improvised whatever was naturally coming out of my body, whatever I want, you know, whatever was happening in that moment. And then I went back and reviewed these. I took three takes and I said, oh. I like this one's the clearest or you know I, I like this so then I transcribed that and then I formed that into the piece Otaku and um, I believe Dave Ballou is playing the right foot and Ellery Esquilin is playing the left foot and then I wrote uh, the bass line mm. based off of those with Mike and then I just kind of improvise with all of these as the composer I'm kind of playing some sort of drum groove and kind of weaving in with what all the parts are doing or going against it and so it gave me a lot of freedom which which I like
And so what you transcribed was the what was happening rhythmically with both your feet, right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just, I just wrote down the rhythm. And then in the compositional process... Is when you added pitches. Yeah, to I mean, I, I added pitches, and, and that takes a while to re- sure. for me to really be um, satisfied. I mean, it has to really resonate with me before I'm like, okay. But also, there were some specific grids that I... I mean, I was trying to kind of weave some... some some close cell uh, chromaticism basically is what's going on between the two the two lines so basically tell, tell me what that means well i'm passing uh, i'm passing melodies through the rhythms of both feet so basically okay. it's like a resultant melody of both of them playing these rhythms so it's that that's kind of the line but it's just being passed off back and forth really really quickly so if one of them were to stop playing you'd su- suddenly the the actual flow of the melody would disappear right? yeah. because they're so interlocked. Exactly. Right. And it, I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and that's an idea I've kind of been thinking of for a while. That piece, it was really fun to write for me because I had, I just had this process already that was, you know, once I got that improvisation with the feed and wrote it down, it was, the rest was just, was was like such a joy to, to, to write because I was like, well, this, this is going to be really fun, you know. Um, but to answer your question about what they were looking at, I mean, it's very specific. It's, it's uh, you know. I talk about my music isn't hard. You know, it, it's kind of tricky. I mean, sure. there's there's some there's some uh, rhythms in there <laughs> they, they, that are very specific. So, um, yeah, you know, we read that, and I, as long as I, as long as we convey that feeling of the feed, it doesn't even need to be super exact. You know, as long as I'm kind of conveying the feeling of that idea, mm. I'm I'm satisfied as as a composer. And, and then improvising is just going to be fun after that. Then how much does the, in this Otaku, this particular tune that we're talking about, how much does the improvised section draw on the composed material? Yeah. Wow. Specifics. <laughs> <laughs> um well, I believe, I mean, I would have to listen to it again. Whoops. Uh, and, and I don't even mean actually in the resultant performance, but more how much how much did you intend that that be the case? Either that we're going to con- retain these rhythmic elements or, you know, these are the pitches we have to work with or these are the key center or the chordal structure or anything like that. Sure, how much I did mean, you want I, that there? I came up with a little arrangement, you know, in the studio, just kind of trying things and I mean, we play the melody twice, I think, and then uh, then uh, basically we play on the form for a mm. couple couple times through. It's two pages, and we actually read. We're kind of just picking and pulling from the information that's there. They're kind of improvising around what they hear. It, it's it's free and it's very free and you know in that sense it's not there's no chord changes it's sure i mean you can hear there's a bass line that dictates some har- harmony and some harmonic zones and uh, i mean the form of the pieces has 
structural uh, structural elements where you land on and that and that is probably what you hear the first two or three passes we actually play one of the rhythmic figures in unison okay uh, which is exactly from that so we're basically still reading through and then when a certain spot comes up we kind of play this thing in unison and then we keep moving on and improvising within and out and then we kind of go kind of go loose on it and sure and just let whatever happens and and then you know did you write the piece from that starting point, the the video of your feet, as a way of getting out of, uh, you know, kind of the typical compositional box, as a way to find some new, fresh approach to writing down music? Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it writing has been, has been a, you know, it's like really, it's a big challenge for me because, especially as a drummer, I mean, I really have to find. I'm kind of my the way I do things is I really have to like get my hands in something and and just even if that means like exploding you know I, I just have to figure it out for myself so composing is for me I'm just I keep trying things and keep thinking about different ways I mean I had never done this before it was just like one day I was like well you know I'm always interested in being a drummer I'm always interested in how my feet and body work, uh, especially between the right and left hands. <laughs> that sounds so so lame, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. I'm I'm actually yeah. a left-handed drummer, and, okay. and I practice a lot of things right-handed. So I'm I'm really interested in kind of how the body works. So trying that was just a pure form of of uh, what was what can come out of me naturally without really thinking about it. It's like, you know, it, it's really improvising. Mm. So I, I like that process. I don't know if I'll use it again necessarily, but uh, I mean, it was, it worked really well, but I would like to think of more ways of writing and, and also more creative ways about, you know, how to present the music to the musicians. Cause a lot of times I feel like a lot of people don't think about that enough is, you know, it's like, how are we going to play this? Not, not what is it, you know I mean? Everyone can read and listen, but like, how? What's the what's the concept to to convey that message? So, Wait, can you say a little more about that? Can you give me an example of presenting music to musicians and how you might kind of expand it? Or <laughs> well, it's a. I think it's a pretty tricky topic. I mean, everybody. If anything, you. I think people learn how people will react. You know, the more you work with people, you kind of know how everyone's gonna be thinking about it or, you know, you kind of have some sort of flag that goes off or clues to how certain musicians think and, and, and deal with music. That to me is, is probably the most important thing, mm. you know, and then other than that, it's very delicate. I mean, like, again, I like to leave space and, you know, maybe we just try something and maybe it doesn't work or we try a piece at a session or whatever and, uh, you know, somebody has some suggestions. Well, let's do that. You know, I mean, just got to keep those ideas going. So does it then come down to the selection of the musicians really being almost kind of the key factor? I mean, if you if you have some idea of how given musicians might react in any situation, is it then how you mix those various personalities together that is key? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's. I mean, it's important, hmm. I mean, to to be thinking. I mean, but my view is that all musicians and every musician can play with any musician, or at least I would, that's something that I 
you know, aspire to do and, or be able to do. I mean, I think everyone does. So what it can come down to often is just, you know, how you're relating to each other on a more of a wholesome level, you know, not just like, you know, nailing the music and everything. You, you gotta, you gotta be with each other and, you know, a group or a band. One example would be this last week I went to the village Vanguard, uh, to see Craig Taborn's trio. Mm. Uh, and I went, uh, let's see, five, five nights. Yeah, they played six nights. So I went five nights and saw, you know, six, eight sets of music. And that to me was amazing. And the harmony that those guys have, not just musically, you know, is amazing that the interaction that that, it just, it gives so much more life to the music. So I think, you know, you can work with anybody and make it happen. I mean, Dave and Ellery and Mike, I mean, it's, I, obviously I can trust them a lot and, and want, I want to experience this with these guys, you know, and obviously I've known them. So it's, you know, that fits, but, you know, I, I guess I, I'm answering your question still. I haven't really played this music with anybody else. Sure. I mean, I've tried a few things and that's been really great. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) 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 You know who you are. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's really for them. I mean, it's, it's for this. Yeah. And, and I have some other projects and I'm starting to kind of, I don't want to say separate the music, but, you know, try to get the most fruit out of, out of this body of work for that project. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that makes sense. talk a little bit about uh, I, I think um you know this may for at least for my listeners may be exposing folks to you for the first time and i just would be interested in filling in just a, a kind of a brief amount of the bio information and talk a little bit about maine and what that was like and kind of uh starting along this path because it it's a long way from the quiet of maine yeah. to, uh, <laughs> to brooklyn well i'm not necessarily the quietest person <laughs> Maybe one of the reasons why I don't live up there anymore. You know? It's like, well, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm from Maine, and there's, there's a lot of musicians in the New York City area that are coming from that location. 
uh, or that state, I should say. Um, my next door neighbor played drums growing up and was in a band up in Maine that was had a lot going on. You know, they were playing a lot of gigs and putting out records and not not a not jazz or creative music, but just well, it was creative. But you know, what I mean, sure, it's not improvising coming from that tradition or whatever. Uh, so I was kind of immediately, my next door neighbor was practicing when I was really young and just got into music and I mean, Maine, it, you know, then it just spiraled from there. There's the Maine jazz camp, which is, which mm-hmm. has been very, which was very, very important for me. I mean, if anything, probably the most important thing up in Maine, you know, I was, let's see what, t- 12 or 13 when I started going there and immediately you're, you're dealing with like New York dudes who are extremely serious i mean you know ethan iverson taught there uh, Reed, that's where i met reed anderson i mean tony malaby was our teachers reza bazi i mean you know you're 13 you're, you're, not, you're right not, you're not 23 <laughs> you're 13 and you're like you know jeff williams and all these great guys i mean i'm leaving out all these names but uh, you know and they're they're playing improvised music from from a different planet so c- coming at it you know from up there like that, it was just so special to me. It was like, whoa, you know, and, and in a little generation, you know, I had a little scene that I play with and a lot of those people are still here and I still play with them. So, you know, it's very fertile. It's like, you know, collective community, very small, but very, very important collective community of musicians that I, in high school, had all these bonds with, you know, we started listening to these guys, you know, to their records and, and, the records their friends were putting out and blah, 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 you know, and, and everyone's looking at New York, you know, it's like, well, that's where it's, you know, right. There's something going on there. So what, what equipped you to even deal with that music when you were a young teen? I mean, well, I mean, yeah, um, I think, I mean, I was playing drums before I went to main jazz camp. I mean, I was playing a lot of drums, just learning it myself, listening to music, um, as much as I could and learning, you know, from, from anybody and everybody, um, would equip me. I, I don't know. I mean, I was into a lot of things. I'm like, I was very active doing a lot of sports, hiking, biking, uh, playing music was just another thing. And, uh, I, you know, I, I like making things. Sure. <laughs> I like whatever, whatever it is. If you're building like a tree fort in the middle of nowhere and like, or whatever. So, I guess I kind of wonder, I think I asked the question poorly, but I guess what I wonder is, you know, hearing music, hearing improvised music played at a very high level when you're 13, I mean, like I think back to my own listening. I mean, I I grew up listening to kind of anachronistic music because I grew up with my grandparents a lot. Mm. But I think about, you know, one of the first time I really heard like Coltrane improvising or something. I was definitely not 13, but maybe I was 15 or 16 or 17. And I... It took me a while to actually figure out, oh, okay, I think I have at least some idea of what's happening here. But I can just imagine like sitting in the main jazz camp at the age of 13 and mm. hearing these really heavyweight players improvise and just wondering, like, what tools did you even have in your brain to say, oh, okay, this is what's happening and here's how I can do it too. I mean, did it seem mystical? Did it seem very approachable? What was the... Well, it's... Obviously, I'm asking you to reach back in the past one. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's an important past for me. So, I mean, it, it, you know... It's still, it's so, it's so alive. I mean, mm. that's one thing. I'm not that old, but it's crazy to think back and go, wow. You know, I was, I was, uh, I drove, drove back from Baltimore this morning with a friend and 
you know, we were talking about Tony Malaby or something. And, uh, you know, I was like, wait, it, wait, I've known him like what? Like 13 years or whatever, <laughs> like, like or 14 years, right? 14 years, even more, maybe 15. But that's, that's crazy to have somebody, you know, in this music to be exposed at that age and, uh, not coming from here, check out John Coltrane, Giant Steps right. on a record. And, you know, you're kind of like, you know, and I think this can be not a problem, but it, it needs to be addressed that, you know, listening to records is a lot different than going and seeing music. So for sure. me, it was, I was already going to a lot of concerts and seeing live music. So seeing improvised music was just kind of like, okay, <laughs> what's this? You know, like, right. here's the next thing. What are they doing? And, you know, I think being patient enough to really um, keep giving, you know, to keep trying to understand it or or make some sense of it for yourself. And I think, uh, I, I don't know, I mean, me and my friends that were there at, at, in those years were really into it. You know, we, we really, really like music. So it's like, you know, versus a lot of times improvised music can freak people out immediately if it's not, you know, 12 measures or something, sure. you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but, you know, understandably so it's not, it's not boom, boom, boom. It's not, a, you know, it's not in a box all the time. Um, outside of that, it's just kind of trying to keep it, it, the curiosity of creativity. I mean, I like, again, I like making things. I like destroying things. I like <laughs> setting them back up, you know, just all sure. sorts of things. And, you know, still interested in that creativity. So I just kept dealing with it and researching. And I mean, you know, just like anything, I, that's really when I started studying was, was being intrigued by what these guys are doing. You know, I specifically remember watching Dave Ballou play one of his pieces one time, a long time ago, and just being like completely blown away. I mean, we had, we had students. I remember uh, a girl and she she was older a little bit older than us in high school or whatever and and she would she just started crying she had this purge of emotion in reaction to the music and like you know we're, we're there like holy you know like everyone's freaking out i mean these faculty concerts were ridiculous i mean they would they would play every night so you get to see six nights of music and each faculty member play, plays their music and so it's wow you know i that needs to happen more you know yeah. I, th I think I think that's a really important point. That idea of you know handing someone a record is valuable, but it is very different than the visceral experience of being in a room with musicians. I think yeah, that's you, exactly right. Yeah. I mean, you you need to feel music. I mean, everybody knows that, but well, maybe not. You know, maybe new newer generations with with all the computers. I, you know, I don't think anybody is going to be able to separate that ever. You know, mm. it's like you can't separate soul. You know, you can cut it up any way you want, but it's still going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I read a, uh, this is kind of a more practical question, but um, I think it's one that seems very mysterious to people who wonder how jazz musicians kind of make, you know, their make ends meet, make their daily lives work. And I read this piece that you wrote in modern drummer about, um, you know, just the kind of the time management and figuring out, how to use the very discreet and often kind of brief periods of time that you have to the best effect. Uh, and I thought that was pretty interesting and maybe other people could benefit from it. So maybe you could say a few words yeah, well, yeah, about that. First, cool. <laughs> great, great that you saw that. Um, yeah. You know, modern drummer, write something for modern drummer. I'm sitting there going, okay, 
I know exactly what to write. Nothing to do with drums. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, people are going to, I mean, the amount of information that's out there, you know, if you're motivated and you really want to make things happen, you learn how to do it, whatever, you know. Um, so when it came time to, to really think about writing something for that, I, I needed to write from my life. I mean, here and that's a skill that I don't, I think I just kind of, maybe I learned from my brother because he didn't do it that well. He, you know, from an early age, he was kind of, he's three years older and I kind of watched him, you know, not do his work, not do certain things, you know, and I was kind of like sitting there and like, okay, okay, don't do that, Devin, you know, <laughs> like check, 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 you know, it, sorry, sorry to him, uh, sorry to Justin, but, uh, so for me, you know, taking care of things, if it's homework or practicing in, in, in a pretty structured way has, has been pretty natural. I just kind of, I, I decided when I really started practicing, you know, high school or whatever, that I would use some of these skills that they were teaching us and just kind of swap them for the materials, for the information. Okay. Yeah, whatever the, whatever the class is. I mean, even, even math classes or, physics and using excel i mean i'm sure you know how to use excel don't right you? you know it's like it's and all of a sudden i'm needing these skills to to formulate i don't want to say business but just to you know make things work um so being in control of, of your time is is uh some people are, are better than others at it you, i mean some people really have to work on it i mean this is obvious things. I mean, everyone, you know, but for me, I just never have enough time, you know? So basically in the article, I'm talking about how it's start. It first, it made me really nervous because I realized I don't have that much time up in Maine. I would sit around and practice like three hours, five hours, six hours, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe not that productive, but when you have that short amount of time, it's continually forcing me to like, cut i don't want to say bs but just get you know get to the point mm. you know like i i as you i'm sure you're learning i like to talk <laughs> uh but just say the point you know and and when it comes to composing or or writing or or uh practicing you know what is it that i'm really trying to get at let me focus 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 so that i can take care of this if it's writing if it's emailing if it's anything that I want to do, let me do that and, and get closer to it. So that's, that's something I'm working on. Yeah. Even like, I remember in the piece, uh, just from a drumming perspective, you said you might, if you have half an hour to practice, it might all be focused on a particular rudiment or some particular, you know, small piece of technique that you're really focused on at that moment, rather than trying to, I have 30 minutes and I'm going to do everything I know how to do well for five seconds each. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's kind of like people, you know, musicians, they know how to practice you you learn that i mean i also teach right and so i'm sitting there looking at all these students and i'm going oh right <laughs> don't do that don't do that and tell them this this and this so it's it's this great back and forth sure and i can apply that i mean you know i i like to stress quality of of the work so that and of the thought process so yeah if it means working just on some left hand and i'm sure there's a lot of drummers that are probably even way more into this than I am that are really, or I should say musicians that are way more into it. But, you know, you, you just try and it's like a puzzle. You're just kind of putting little pieces in. Oh, that one's a little bit better. This one fit. And then you're 
checking out the whole picture, you know, sure. that, that type of thinking. So are there, uh, other projects that you want to mention that you're involved in these days? Other projects? Well, other than some friends and mm-hmm. this European thing, um, yeah, I mean, I, there's a couple other projects that, that I am trying to lift off the ground with, sure. with this. This is kind of, um, you know, a, a push coming from me, um, a push for music, really. I, I really, music means so much to me that I, I you know, I gotta, I gotta try <laughs> harder, harder is really, you know, I need to work harder. I need to try for better music, uh, for the sake of music. Um, I have another quartet that's kind of co-led. It's, it's pretty loose, but, um, also we've been playing for about two years now. It, it really feels fun. I'm not in a rush. I don't like to rush the process or the natural cycle of things. Uh, this quartet is with two guitars and bass and drums myself. Uh, and, uh, Jonathan Goldberger plays guitar and Ryan Ferreira plays guitar and bass goes back and forth between Chris Tordini and Garth Stevens. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's a project that I'm trying to lift. I would really like to record. I've written some music for that. Um, you know, that um, I'm getting ready this first and then we're going to sure. try to make, make something that we like and put, put that out. So, and just to remind folks again, if they're listening to this on the day that it comes out, it's April 12th, 2012. when we just give them the uh, details about the gig tonight again. The gig tonight is at Cornelia street cafe. It's uh, in the West village, really close to uh, West fourth street, <laughs> the other side of the train station. Um, yeah, we play at 8.30. It's the quartet, Ellery Eskelin, Dave Ballou, Michael Formanek, and myself. Uh, really looking forward to playing playing a couple new pieces and, and sharing the music with everybody. Um, and we have CDs for sale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I've been working really hard on getting this product together. Um, sure. And uh, really, really excited and the way it came out and everything with uh, Chris Speed's label, Scroll Records, and that so that was really fun. Uh, it's been been a great process. That's great. And then uh, you're back in Baltimore at the end of the month on April twenty second, twenty second, and then June sixth in Brooklyn at Barbez, right? At Brooklyn, and there will be a couple more that I can't say as okay. of yet <laughs> at this current moment. But That's great. I, but uh, links to your website will be at thejazzsession.com, and folks can go there and get the whole schedule. Well, it's been great to talk to you. My uh, guest is Devin Gray. The album is Dorigo Rataplan uh, on Squirrel Records, as you mentioned. And I thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks, Jason.
That's music from drummer Devin Gray. And as you heard in the interview, tonight, April 12, 2012, Devin and the band are at Cornelia Street Cafe. So if you're in New York City, get down there and support them. Please do become a member of the show. Speaking of supporting things, that is how the show continues to exist, through your membership dollars. So please do that. What else do I want to tell you about? Uh, also, please, 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 would you do this for me as a, as a favor to me? Get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can. And then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Bye. Bye. Bye.